Hey friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, as always, your host. And I'm back this week with my friend Ruth Haley Barton. We're talking about the second week of Advent. Advent's a season in the church calendar that encourages us to name those dark places we find ourselves in. To name those places that feel scary, in which we feel lost, and start to wait for the Christ to come into those places inexplicably, mysteriously, to rescue, to rescue us, to rescue the world. And maybe that sounds like magical thinking. I don't know. You know, for me, I'm at the place in my life, I think, where naming dark places is essential for hope. Naming what things need to change so that the world will be made right is essential. Ruth and I talk in this episode about the second week of Advent, and the focus really is on preparing space to clear out some of the junk in your life so that you really can see the Christ who comes. So listen to this scripture reading from my wife Mary about John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, who goes out in the wilderness and then proclaims this message, prepare the way, prepare space in the world for the Christ to come. A reading from Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Really, like my my thought on John has changed over the years because mm. I think the expectations probably of his life 
was that he was was that he would follow his father's in his father's footsteps and be a priest and and do the temple role and maybe he tried that this is just imagination right but maybe he tried to do that what if he tried to make that shoe fit and what mm-hmm. if he failed and so what if his appearing in the wilderness it wasn't an appearing at all, but a long journey of finally accepting who he was and what God's call was mm-hmm. for his life, which makes me wonder what preparations did he need to do to yeah. appear in the wilderness with his well, family? Before we what get to preparations, think? though, I just want to say something about John that makes me just laugh every single time, and that <laughs> is the nature of his sermons. So he comes <laughs> at the Pharisees. And says, you brood of vipers, yeah. who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And it's just so funny in our seeker model society where we're all trying to make everything relevant yes. and palatable and everything yes. else. And John starts out his sermon by accusing them of being a brood of vipers. Like, what do you think about that, Pastor Steve oh Weems? Like, if you ever started out a sermon like that, would you have the courage to start a sermon by calling your congregation names? I just think <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> totally. It's so funny. And you would get fired probably you, you know really what I mean would, because that is just not a seeker sensitive message it's not an anybody sensitive message no, it's not a sensitive message it's not no. a nice message so but somehow it's effective because the people just keep coming from everywhere and that's the other thing about the passage that I just love is that the people are coming from everywhere going out to him in the wilderness to hear him call them a brood of vipers I mean really <laughs> I know well so, but I think it's also a sense of like the people that came out are sort of picture them, you know, mouth sending a gape and saying like, oh, my gosh, someone finally said it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like someone finally uttered the truth about what's happening. And I think that's so compelling. Like, like you would get fired, but then you would go be fired somewhere in some coffee shop and you'd be surrounded by people who applauded yeah, someone yeah, finally. Yeah, we're like, okay, so it. now we can really talk. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. but I think you, you know, the thing, the other thing about the story is that, you know, you pretty much have to to go to the wilderness to be able to preach those kinds of sermons. You know, you can't, you can't always preach that way or give that kind of truth in the more acceptable venues, No, right? You almost, preaching that kind of a message puts you on the outside a little bit, but then, you know, you're on the outside and then you can say what you need to say. You can say what God puts on your heart to say. And the people who are ready to receive that message will, they will receive it and they're, they're hungry for it and they want it. Um, but you don't always get that message in the more acceptable venues, um, for us as Christians. So I think, you know, that whole story is very, very interesting, even in terms of how it can critique our current way of preaching and doing church and all that, because all that was happening, all that spiritual stuff, that deeply spiritual stuff was happening outside, um, you know, right. some of the more accessible places, which is, is really interesting to me as we think about this second week and this theme of wilderness too, which is just, you know, pretty profound in this Sunday and next Sunday, which we'll be talking about, that there is something unique that happens in the wilderness, something that can only happen in the wilderness places of our lives. And um, we're seeing it here in John's life. That kind of sermon can only be preached in a certain setting. It can't be preached everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think, why I like to imagine the leading up to John, 
because I, 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 I don't totally buy the characterization that he's just some caustic guy that says whatever he thinks. And I think he says what he says because he has lived life in the system. Mm -hmm. He sees the hypocrisy of it. He can't fit into it. And so when he goes out to the wilderness and the reason why people come and stay and listen, and he has authority, real authority is because he's really wrestled it down, you know, like he's really lived in it. He's heard from God and he's made his own, like he's prepared his own heart to hear hard things and to say hard things. Yeah. And so I, I would love for you, Ruth, to talk about like what, what kind of preparing, because not everyone is in that place where John is in, like, you know, leaving the establishment to go in the wilderness. Right, but, exactly. And, and we're going to talk about the wilderness more next episode, but let's, let's ground ourselves in this place of preparing. What's important as we prepare for uh, the coming of Christ or the hearing of words yeah. in this week? Yeah, well, um, I think, you know, one of the functions of wilderness time or extended solitude is that our own hearts get quieter and we can hear the word from the Lord, right, and receive it. And so I think the preparation has to do with getting ourselves in a position to receive the presence that we say we're seeking. And we can't just receive it by running around like chickens with our heads cut off, not creating any space. Um, There has to be a way of getting ready and opening up and clearing out obstacles. And so, um, you know, obviously a theme of the second Sunday is repentance. It always is because John the Baptist is preaching a message of repentance. And I think repentance has to do with clearing out the obstacles, clearing Mm -hmm. out those things in my own life that prevent me from receiving the presence or recognizing the presence or receiving the word that God has for me. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, we think about repentance as being sort of a hard work and it is, uh, to be willing to see ourselves as we are. And that's, that's John's message. And it wasn't an easy message, but at the same time, I like to point ourselves towards the joy of preparing as well. When we prepare for something that we're really looking forward to. Um, and and there is a lot of preparation that's part of the season too, isn't there? Um, in the, the holiday season, there's a lot of preparation. And if we can touch the place of, the joy of it all, rather than seeing it all as drudgery, I think that can be helpful too. So to imagine a time when we prepared for something that we were really looking forward to, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, there's hard work involved. Um, but at the same time, the work is made light and yes. uh, joyful yeah. because we so much want the thing that's yeah. coming, you know? Uh, so, I want to bring up something that I'm like, this is one of my Advent things that I've realized that I'm coming into Advent, things that I need to clear away. And I I think it's even a repentance. And so um, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for, oh gosh, way too long, (laughs) Uh, 24 years. But um, one of the things that I've learned is that it's really important, you know, getting input and feedback from people, and you know, we're 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 a congregation. It's not an not a dictatorship. It's not. At times, I wish it was actually, but um, but or and okay. But I've also noticed in this current season, I got an invitation, and it was kind of one of these whispers that mm-hmm. from the spirit. But it was like, 
you, Steve, you, you do get, you do get input and you, and you do get feedback and you seek it out. Um, for this season, I want you to be more selective mm-hmm. with the input that you take in. Mm. And I really, and then it expanded from, you know, not so many, not just, um, and of course I'm never going to tell someone to shut up or something like that, but there's a way of putting a boundary around what gets in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's around people telling you what you should do or shouldn't do as a pastor or a leader of a nonprofit or, but it's also like, what else am I just mindlessly letting in? Like mm-hmm. I realized like, I'm getting, I'm so cluttered right now that, yeah. that I'll, I'll check my email on my oh, phone at a stoplight. You know what I mean? I I'm know. Like, I know. What am I doing? Yeah. Right. So I, um, now I don't think everyone can do this, but, but I can, I'm, I'm, I'm considering taking the email app off of my phone for the season yes. of Advent. And of course, you know that, oh, well, how, how are people going to get a hold of you? <laughs> like, well, there was a whole history of the world that happened where people yeah. got a hold of you when they needed to before there was email, before there was phone even. And so I think people can survive. Well, um, and the other thing about that, because I never have put email on my phone oh, because I feel like that can contributes to a boundaryless existence that I just can't, I can't enter into that. I don't think I'd be, I'd ever be the same again if my work was always buzzing on my email on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it enables you to be more boundaried with it. Cause if yes. it's about the email, you will open your email sometimes throughout the day. You can actually set expectations for people, mm-hmm. you know, and say, I'll be on my email from these hours to these hours, but I won't, you know, you can actually be considerate enough to let some people that you care about know about it. But it gives you a more boundaried existence. You're not completely going away. You're not completely not being available, but you are putting some boundaries around your availability through email for the sake of something else, for yes. the sake of another kind of avail- availability that you want. You want to be available to God in yes. a way, in a new, fresh way, this this particular season. And it's going to create the space for that. But I could not agree with you more. I mean, even the the scrolling through the mm-hmm. news, mm-hmm. you know, oh, at Lord. night or in the morning when we could be watching the sunrise, of course, you're, you can be, you're scrolling through your phone, your, your newsfeed. So I think, I think that's a wonderful practice for Advent. And maybe I could introduce another word that I think we might be leaning into. And that is the word simplicity. I hear that. I hear the invitation to simplicity as a part of the preparation that, that you just, you can't receive everything you know, there's a limit, there's a finiteness to how much, like you said, we can take in. So to simplify and clear out some things so that I can be present to the things I most want to be present with. So for me, another aspect of simplifying or simplicity to prepare the way of the Lord, right? To prepare, to be able to receive God into the intimate places of my life um, is to look at Christmas preparations and to simplify, especially for me as the woman of my home and my family, um, I, I think there's a special pressure on women to make it all special for everybody. So every, you know, the gift buying and the cooking mm-hmm. and, uh, the decorating and all that, a lot of that falls inordinately to many women, not right. all, because thanks be to God, there are some, you know, there's some, you know, there are couples and people who are smashing all the stereotypes right. and, and you know, my husband and I try, but still I do feel like there's a, a, a weight and a burden in the holiday season that's on me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say, no, there are some things that I've done in the past that I'm not doing this year Yeah, because I want to be present 
to God's, to Jesus coming mm-hmm. into my life, and that's going to require some space. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that that's how you do your schedule. That's how. Yes. You, and, and I think if you live with a family, if you have a partner, a spouse, or whatever, um, it, it, it's good to talk about those things. You know, like to say, I, I'd like to try to simplify. Mm-hmm. This season, what are some ways that we can do that together? Right. Like you can't just have a solo campaign when you have a group of people that you're living with and doing it with because yeah. then you have cross purposes, right? So right. even having that conversation, I think, can be really an expansive practice of preparing for simplicity. Yes, within, yeah, within families and people who live together and perhaps even church communities, yes. right? Like if we really want, each of us wants to have some personal space, to receive the presence of Jesus into these darker areas of our lives. What could we simplify even in our church's schedule? When I think about churches that have 10 and 12 Christmas Eve services that take the whole week before Christmas, how in the world, yeah. how in the world do, do yeah. those people who are pulling that off create space for God within themselves? And I think that's a good wrap up, Ruth. Like let's yeah. return to we're we're preparing yeah. But it's for something that you long for. That's you know? right. It is. It's yeah. joyful because you want it. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Now, and I don't want to end on a downer, but I do I um I do want us to, to mention that repentance is in here too. Right. And so sometimes the way these two things that can connect is to go down deeper inside and say, What is it inside me that's driving me? Right. You know, what's the what's the darker dynamic that's driving me to keep performing at this level, to keep scheduling at this level, to keep doing so much? What is happening inside me that keeps me caught, you know, rather than blame it on everybody else? Um, what inside me gets caught this season? And given what I say I really want, could I repent of that? Could I confess that to God? Could I um, find a way to clear it out? as an obstacle towards what I most want, which is the presence of Jesus in the intimate places of my life. Yes. So, um, yeah. so I was wondering if we could ask the question at the end for reflection, for people to think back on a moment when you were preparing for something that you really wanted, like I described with my new little grandson, um, think back to a moment when you were preparing for friends to come over, like you were describing, Steve, and preparing the home for that. Think back to a very concrete time when you were preparing for something that you really wanted and longed for. Think about how it felt. Go back to how it felt. What did you actually do to prepare? And how might that experience translate into your preparation for Christ's coming? What are the characteristics of that that could actually translate and inform how you might prepare um, for the presence of Jesus in your life. So have that be a reflection that carries you into the second week of Advent. And then for the practice, first of all, there's an, um, you know, a wonderful phrase in the Romans passage, Romans 15, that talks about welcoming. Mm. Um, and I wonder about, um, is what would we welcome? You know, the verse seven of chapter 15 says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, so even as we think about welcoming Jesus, how can we welcome one another in this season? And how can we welcome other people into our lives this season as a way of welcoming Jesus um, in some beautiful and simple ways? Maybe welcome someone into your life that's very different than mm-hmm. you typically would be interacting with during this season and see if that's a way of inviting Jesus. Um right. Into, into your space and into your life. Um, 
someone perhaps it's harder for you to welcome, but do it anyway and see how Jesus comes into your life through them. Um, The idea of welcoming others as we welcome Jesus. And then, of course, the practice of clearing out and preparing for, you know, um, the, the removing of obstacles as as we go. And God, what is it underneath? And is there a practice of confession and repentance that could also characterize, you know, that that thing that drives me from underneath is what I would encourage us to pay some attention to here in the second week. I really like all of those, especially the last one. And, <clears throat> and you might need some help, you know, doing that. Yes. You might You might need to seek out a safe, trusted friend to say, yeah. man, I'm trying to figure out what drives me to do this. What have you observed in me? And, and yeah. again, safe and trusted, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> don't. Yes. Don't or the... hear the challenge when it comes. Right. And so like my daughters will challenge me and say, mom, why are you doing that? Why mm-hmm. do you feel like, you... can you let go of that? They actually challenge me because they want me to sit down and be with them more. Yeah. So they say, can you let that go? So you could just be with us. And, and part of me wants to defend and say, but but wait a second, that's how I want to do this. Mm-hmm. But then another part of me is like, I think God's talking to me through yeah. them, that I can let that go yeah. in order to open up to what it is that I really want and what's driving it. So friends, here's a bit of encouragement for this challenging aspect of Advent, and it's from Evelyn Underhill. She says, Our spiritual life depends on His perpetual coming to us far more than our going to Him. Every time a channel is made for Him, He comes. Every time our hearts are open to Him, He enters, bringing a fresh gift of His very life. And on that life, we depend. And so maybe this prayer that we'll be offering now can open up a channel for God to come with a fresh gift into our lives. Take a moment to be silent. Maybe if you can, if you're not driving, uh, again, settle into a comfortable alert position with your back straight, feet flat on the floor, hands open as a way of receiving what God has to give in these prayerful moments. Maybe this time, you know, we breathe in the truth that God has for us and we breathe out our resistance and our unwillingness to be challenged and confronted as John challenged and confronted his listeners. God, help us to find our confession, the truth within us which is hidden from our mind, the beauty or the ugliness we see elsewhere but never in ourselves, the stowaway which has been smuggled into the dark side of the heart, which puts the heart off balance and causes it pain, which wearies and confuses us, which tips us in false directions and inclines us to destruction. The load which is not carried squarely because it is carried in ignorance. God, help us to find our confession this season. Help us across the boundary of our understanding. Lead us into the darkness that we might find what lies concealed, that we may confess it towards the light of your presence that we may carry our truth in the center of our heart, that we may carry our cross wisely and bring harmony into our life and our world this Advent. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this episode talking about Advent. And I hope in this season you're able to name those places in your life that feel dark, that you need the power of the Christ to come. 
I hope you've had the vulnerability uh, to push past even that fear that maybe the Christ won't come. And I hope this is a transformative season for you, where you're surprised, where you are expectant, and where someone and something meets you. If you've enjoyed the music on this episode, it's by my friend Latifa, who sings under many different monikers, but this particular one is Paige CXVI, and you can check out her website, pagecxvi.com, for her upcoming album with Adria Assad, which is going to be beautiful, but also to purchase the music that you heard on this episode, which comes from her album, Advent to Christmas. Thanks for listening.